Okay, Monty, give us a fact. Christmas worm fact. There's a worm called a Christmas tree worm that lives on the surface of coral. That's brilliant. Thank you. It's 8.44am. Crimble morning. Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas, Rich. <laughs> Happy Christmas, Phil. Now, I gather you're off fishing. I am. I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing literally uh, the second we finish this podcast. Well, how did you wangle that? And why aren't wifely orders coming your way? Uh, well, it's, it's an agreement we have. I do all my stuff that I've got to do the day before. And then I can go fishing on Christmas morning because there's no one else around. Christmas is great. You can go down the river and you won't see a single soul. I really like doing it. It gives me an appetite for Christmas lunch as well. Or Christmas is mid-afternoon fish, really. <laughs> what is that? Well, what Something time between do you have lunch it? and dinner. What is that? What time do you have it? Well, it'll probably be around kind of four o'clock-ish, I think. Yeah. Four o'clock? That means you're putting the roasters on when the Queen is on. Yeah. We, we had this discussion earlier on, didn't we? I've never seen the Queen's speech. That's outrageous. Speech. <laughs> we we were made... <laughs> you are royalists, are. aren't yeah. you? <clears throat> My husband and I would like to wish you all a very happy and prosperous Christmas and New Year. This year has been Annus Mirabilis. Very good. <laughs> we do that. We yeah. sit down. You sit down with your tea and mince pies. Three o'clock, well, two minutes to, everyone's saying, oh, the Queen, the Queen. And you, you wake up, Granny. And watch Give her a good kick. the Queen every yeah. year. yeah. yeah. That's on amazing. the BBC, I don't know. The Queen sound ITV. like that. She's high pitched. <laughs> Let me just practice again. Yes, <laughs> she does. <laughs> oh, excellent! Well, first, I try and make an effort to watch it this year. No, I don't think so. Actually, <laughs> it's fantastic. No, they're down with the monarchy. We don't. That, that, that impression's a bit worrying. Right, cut that out, Rich? Michael. <laughs> that uh, Heather has been receiving correspondence and instruction in her Southern American or Southern American States accent from uh, somebody in the south of the US of A. And so one wonders that if the Queen listens to her impression of the Queen, is, is she going to correspond with her and put her right on that as well? We're now going to listen to a message from Southern America. Bring it on. Hey, Wiggly Wigglers, this is NCM from the No Credit Needed Podcast. Um, I live in America, in, <laughs> in Georgia, and I have a true southern accent. So if you ever need any help with your southern sayings, just give me a holler, and uh, <laughs> I'll help you out. I'll help y'all out. How about that? I really love what you guys do. It's awesome. I love the accent. I love the information. Uh, we live in a very rural area, and the soil down here is just uh, it's just wonderful for growing all kinds of, uh, of uh, things. And, and a lot of uh, the folks here still have uh, backyard gardens and family gardens and those kind of things. A lot of farming goes on here. Uh, and I'm just, whenever I, I just picture your place in my mind, and I, I don't know exactly how it looks, but I can just picture it, and, uh, and I just know it's got to be a wonderful place. But you guys are doing an awesome job. Congrats on all the awards that you've received. They're well, 
deserved, and I love the banter back and forth. <laughs> uh, I love when Heather just somebody would say something really serious, and Heather would just come in and just just boom with the joke. It's it's just awesome. It's really good. But well, we all have a blessed day and a Merry Christmas and all that kind of good stuff and a Happy New Year. Talk to you later. This is NCN. Bye bye. What do you think of that, Rich? I thought that was superb. Now you are going to love this guy because he's NCN, right. right? Right. And it's no credit needed. And I have been and listened to his podcast. It's not for me. You know, I think just, you know, bring it on, more stuff, more stuff. Yeah. But it's for you. It's a podcast about being tight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending it Excellent. to you. You okay. will love it. Right. He is, it's, forget frugal Phil. <laughs> this is just tight to yeah. the extreme. Right. You know, he talks about how to save dirty peas and all sorts yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah. All important, you know. <laughs> Saving your pennies. Yeah. Sure. Oh, right, excellent. I look forward to that. No credit needed podcast. It sounds like a great bloke anyway. Yeah. See, I told you my southern sayings were on the mark. Yeah, yeah. Y'all? Yeah. Well, I don't think they are on the mark, do they? Which is why he was offering to, you know, give you some sort of sense of direction with them. <laughs> do you think so? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've got another American greeting. And this is from Andrew from, now is it geek.farm.life or life.farm.geek or farm.geek.life? Hi, Heather and gang. This is Andrew from the Geek Farm Life podcast. It's got the new voicemail smell in here, so I wanted to give you a call on the farm phone and help break it in. Well, it's nice that you've got a farm phone so we can get some comments from listeners and questions and so forth. I just wanted to correct you on our name. We're Geek Farm Life, and we're impossible to find in iTunes because we spell the name with periods in it. Well, anyway, I just wanted to wish you and your whole gang a Merry Christmas. And keep up the good work. I really enjoy the podcast. Coming up on this week's show, we've got Monty's Worm Fact, and it's a Christmas worm fact this week. And we have what we're having for Christmas dinner. And we have Richard tell us about berries. But first, the cat row. Meow. (laughs) Yeah, someone's got their claws out, haven't they? Absolutely, they Mm. have. But should I start with the poem? You can (laughs) say the poem. Thank you to Rachel Broom, who we may recall set her cap at Richard a little bit um, and thought he was just a jolly job. Well, it's all changed now. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Alas, dear Wiggly Wigglers, I've had my heart broken in two. I'd had it set on Richard, so promptly sent an order to you. To my delight, a reply I received from a Richard... The very thing I'd desired. How my heart leapt as I read it that night from the one who had been so admired. (laughs) But alas, woe is me, as since that day, my affections have taken a plummet. Grey squirrel kebabs on a barbecue spit. Oh, Richard, you've now gone and done it. And not only that, but the following week he takes a pot shot at our moggies. How cruel of this oh-so-handsome chap. Oh, dear. Despite the fact he keeps two of his own fierce doggies. Ricardo, will you ever redeem yourself? Eat humble pie without squirrel sauce, I hope. However, I fear you're now too set in your ways, and the answer to this would simply be nope. (laughs) 
Now, Richard, I just wanted to let you know that the Tweety Pies round here are simply prospering, and that has more to do with the fact I feed them each day and also provide nuts for the squirrels I'm fostering. Moggies, squirrels, birds and humans live happily side by side in this green suburban part of the conurbation. We suggest that you try this. It might do you some good. We say peace and love, man, to all of the nation. Yes, even Richard. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Fantastic. Yeah, Rachel's obviously, yeah, she sounds very, very, very sweet indeed. Get out of it. You've lost it. uh, Certainly articulate. And and she's uh, evidently got a great taste. But, you know... (laughs) Well, Rich, I think you've just got to well, move aside, mate. It's my, my go now. I've definitely burned my bridges mm. there. But it's, it's no, no, I think it. the thing was, she saw, you know, photos of you and, mm. and, and mistakenly thought that, yes, that yeah. Um, yeah, you right. weren't a murdering, cat-hating, <laughs> no. squirrel-beating-up... No. I, should, I should say that I, I don't... I know we have these, we have these mm. great debates, and yes. it might seem that I, it, I do sound uh, slightly sanctimonious at yes. times, but, yes, but I, I don't hate cats, as you'll be able to appreciate... But I am a firm believer that there are inherent problems with uh, with cats in the in, in, in the uh, in the English countryside and in the in England. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Yeah. The next one. Okay, Richard has got me mad. Two of my cats actually came from a farm. They had put them in a bag and they were going to drown them. Now, if we were talking cruel here, then the farmers doing that take the biscuit. Is there an animal in the world, including humans, who don't kill animals? Farmers kill birds, pheasants, grouse, etc. And actually, on previous podcasts, have been proud of doing it. So, why treat cats differently? For me, it is hypocritical from a farming man who works for an industry that raises animals to kill. I don't disagree with farming. I disagree with hypocrisy. You've wound her up. Yeah. Furthermore, (laughs) Furthermore, cats are loving animals who provide great comfort to many people. They are often the only lifeline to older people providing comfort and love to people who don't see their family from week to week. Richard needs to think about what he is saying and look at how many animals he has either killed, supported the killing of, seen being killed before he damns an animal that people love and receive a lot of love from. Heather, go girl, you have sense on your side. Make sure you fight our corner and show him up for the hypocrite that he is. Anna. A little bit aggressive, though, yeah, isn't a little it? Bit, yeah, a bit calm down. Yeah, a little, little, a bit, a little, a little worried about a bit that hostile, sentence. Possibly <laughs> that, that sentence in there, Heather. You have sense on your side. That'll be a first. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she doesn't know you that well, does she? <laughs> but no. she, 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 she made some interesting comments there. But it's remarkably ill-informed, actually. <laughs> but, one thing that she said about cats being uh, playing an important part in people's lives and people recovering from illness, and you've mentioned this before, and it's you know that's very very true. It's kind of key in many respects for people to have some kind of something to to cling on to. If there's some way of making people feel better, and that way is to be able to have a nice furry animal, then that's absolutely fine. But the point is not to let it go outside and systematically 
kill everything around it. I don't really feel there's any point in reiterating what I've already said. But the point we were addressing originally was we had a, a, a correspondence from Simon and he said that his life was being made quite difficult by his neighbour's cats. And is there any way of being able to keep cats out of the garden? That's what started the whole thing off, wasn't it, really? So is we were addressing the climb that. Down? So is absolutely not, the climb not, not down? at all. Have you but got put, anything I'm trying to put everything side? into perspective. Have you got okay. any letters, any emails from anyone on your side? Uh, I have. I've had several responses, right. but I've got a, a great response from Greg. He sounds like he's a really interesting bloke, and he's, he knows what he's talking about, and I really appreciate his comments. And one thing he was quite concerned about is that he wants to assure you, and I guess other listeners, that he's not suggesting that people should be banned from keeping cats. What he said is, but all cat owners need to be aware of the destruction that these little killers can wreak, particularly in the high concentrations found in our towns and cities. I believe that dear old Noah has around a thousand acres of fine Herefordshire countryside to roam over at Blakemere Farm. But in a city, developers would squeeze at least 40,000 homes into the same space. And if a third of the homeowners had just one cat, and that's being conservative, that's roughly 14,000 cats or 14 cats per acre. Many owners may, fee- may even feel that because they are out all day at work, their cherished little moggy may get lonely. So two is better than one. Oh, and it just kind of, it does make me feel a bit queasy when I, when I remember <laughs> that. I would just ask for Heather to imagine an area the size of Blakemere Farm with in excess of 14,000 cats roaming over it. Is this, is this filtering through, Phil? Yeah, no. I, can, I can live with this. This, okay. is, this makes okay. sense. And instead of natural hedges for shelter, miles of concrete posts and panels, the preferred choice of builders, because they take up less valuable space. At one time, experts told us that humans were not responsible for global warming, but now we know better. And I think it's unrealistic for anyone to imagine that having 14,000 cats on Blakemere Farm would have an impact on the surroundings, no matter what the RSPB experts say. Many people keep pets, snakes, rats and even tarantulas. But if they were kept in the same numbers as cats, there would be an outcry. If one of those tarantulas had got loose and killed a little kitten, cat owners would be petitioning their MPs to get all spiders banned. <laughs> Presently, the amount of money spent on cat food by UK consumers is vastly more than we spend on organic vegetables as a nation. But if the same levels of monies were redirected into providing natural wholesome food for the poor and needy, then we could do a great deal to alleviate suffering. Instead, as usual, I am sure that Richard, I and many caring individuals like us will be castigated for our views on the need to rid society of what is these self-indulgent, indifferent, vicious little killers. Keep up the good work, Richard. Oh, indeed, I will. Indeed, I will. <laughs> Cheers, Greg. Thanks for your, thanks for your thoughts. I think he's, he's, he's spot on because he's, he's obviously a guy that does care. And this is important. This is important for people to realise. So whilst we might have aggressive mail sent to us and we, we need to address a balance, and if we can come up with ways, I mean, through this whole debate, if we can come up with ways of either reducing the populations of cats in urban areas or finding ways of keeping them out of, of certain areas, then you know, wouldn't that be the ideal scenario? I must say that I feel I've learnt so much. I had no idea of the numbers of cats within such a small area. It never crossed my tiny brain. No, we don't do we? We don't appreciate it living out here. I mean, no. we, we just we have the luxury of space and countryside around us. The issue is humans rather than cats because yeah, it is, there's yeah. so many people piled on top. Well, of cats each aren't. Other. I mean, I mean, cats aren't here. They're not a native species. I mean, they they are here as a consequence of human activity. So, uh, but yeah. listening to that letter, he brings up some really good points. I mean, the, the numbers per acre is a, a very significant point. But out of it, 
comes thinking that it's about balance. So shut your cat in or something. I suspect that cat flaps are not a good thing for the reason that the cat can go in and out at leisure yeah. and so that not having those would be good. And it's just about balance and consideration for others, isn't it? Is it? About, and it and is so you feed the birds in such a way that the cat can't get on the bird table and you feed your cat so it's not ravenously hungry so it doesn't kill as much. And there's your balance. Meow. There's one other point I would <coughs> like to make, just, you know, not to go on too much, but right, so as not to miss this opportunity. Um, he also mentions about cat food. I noticed an advert on there was an advert on TV last night. Sheba, whole chunks of tuna. So you can get these little steel canned portions of cat feed that are made from something, possibly uh, yellowfin tuna, say, or big eye tuna or something like that. Some of these species that are now as endangered as Siberian tigers, would you believe? And they're still being fished out because we, we don't know these things. And that's a fantastic life form that's being used and killed to feed cats. So a major change, a major difference that us as cat owners could make is, first of all, keep our cats in at night, and second look at the food that we eat. If we do that, will you shut up about it? <laughs> Merry Christmas, Moggies, from Heather. So we've been listening to you two banging on about, essentially, balance and consideration for others. So the other day, I get into the Wiggly Skoda, a very fine piece of machinery, I might add. Isn't it good? And I notice under the windscreen wiper a scrap of paper. And so I look at the scrap of paper, and at the same time I recall that the last person who had the Wiggly Skoda was your good self, Ricardo. Ah, right. And I iron the piece of paper out in front of me, and it says on it, and I quote, (laughs) in capitals, do not park in front of garage doors. Tar, Wally, garage owner. Now I'm thinking, Uh, I don't know Wally, the garage owner, (laughs) so that this is likely to be somebody Um, who Ricardo has upset through his inconsiderate (laughs) use of the Wiggly Skoda. (laughs) And I just wondered what you've got to say for yourself. Uh, Well, uh, it's difficult to defend myself. (laughs) I seem to have been caught (laughs) red-handed. I think that's my... Yeah, it's my inclination to park somewhere where I don't have to pay for parking. <laughs> so sometimes it might seem inappropriate. <laughs> Would you like to apologise? Didn't get a clamp, though. Didn't Would get a like ticket. Would you like to apologise? I do apologise. Wally. Profusely to Wally. <laughs> and I should never have uh, I should never have parked there in the first instance. And his pregnant wife did make it to the hospital <laughs> just in time, having used the neighbour's car. <laughs> Christmas dinner. <laughs> Turkey or goose? Phil? Turkey. Richard. Goose. Goosey gander. Mmm. Mm. What's goose taste like? Is it? Everyone says it's greasy, don't they? Uh, it's not greasy. No, it's very succulent. It's very succulent. It's got a stronger flavour than turkey, certainly. But it's like a um, duck. Similar to duck. A bit stronger. Farmed goose. Yeah, yeah, farm goose. Yeah, I mean, wild goose is quite nice. You know, uh, Pinkfoot and, uh, and Canada and whatnot. They're, they're nice eating goose as well, but... Some, somebody gave, uh, gave me a recipe yesterday for cooking wild goose, you know, Canada goose, mm. and uh, they said you make a really nice sage and onion stuffing and loads of it and st- stuff the <laughs> bird, roast it really slowly for yeah. about eight hours, <gasps> yeah. and then take the stuffing out of it, <laughs> chuck the bird away and eat the stuffing. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I've, heard that. I've heard that before. Phil, have you got the berries for the house? Not yet. What are you going to get? I'm going to get holly. But it's a very interesting thing, Holly. You can find loads of holly trees, and at this time of year, some of them 
will have no berries on at all because they've all been eaten and some of them will be absolutely laden with berries. It's not the same tree every year, it's just every so often you find an odd tree that the birds don't touch and obviously that's the one I'm aiming at for the mm. Christmas decorations but I don't, know, I don't know why it is. There's a few different schools of thought aren't there with the, the flavour of the berries um, and no one really knows the answers I don't think. But it does, I mean, certainly the, the densities of berries do fluctuate. Not so much on your hedges. They seem to be fairly consistent in, our, in, in, uh, in, in many respects. But uh, that's Peace and goodwill to you again. as well, Rich. <laughs> you can't leave it, can you? I can't. I can't, no. Not at all. That's it. Not at all. I've got some... And okay. then, of course, there's a the mistletoe, Rich, which you can get hold of a bit of that, and then you can go chasing some of those rotund women with it and see how well you get on with that. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to bring a big big hefty bunch in tomorrow and <laughs> strap it over one of those beams in our office give everybody a, a nice big snog no <laughs> <laughs> sorry Sarah uh, he yeah. doesn't mean it no. <laughs> there's only one for him and that's definitely you yeah. <laughs> I mentioned earlier on didn't I about uh, some friends of ours that are going to start they're going like, to harvest mistletoe berries and start selling them in, in little sachets to people that can kind of impregnate their trees with mistletoe. Will that work? I, I think it will work. I think it will work very well. Because mistletoe spreads, after all, by birds defecating on trees and whatnot and, uh, and, the, and the, you know, the, the seeds getting trapped in amongst the bark. So, yeah, I think it will probably work quite well. I don't see any reason. And Rachel's done it, actually. Rachel's done something similar with uh, her trees. So, yeah, be quite a neat idea. Another wiggly product, perhaps. Thrushes so, like mistletoe berries, don't they? They do, yeah, yeah. Pretty much all the birds in the thrush family stuff their faces on mistletoe berries. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it right, Rich, that you shouldn't pick the whole clump of mistletoe? You only pick part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's what they reckon. But I think in lots of instances now, some of our trees, certainly in Herefordshire, are so inundated with mistletoe that you could literally cut off the whole clump and. Uh, Biggest trouble is avoiding you... breaking your neck getting to it, Rich, so we better not send you, would we? <laughs> no, not if there's any ladder work involved. No, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah, no, fantastic. Well, well all those things, of course, they were, they were so available, weren't they, years ago? And people didn't have the luxury of being able to go to Woolworths and buying a pack of silvery stuff for, <laughs> for a couple of quid. Uh, but in many respects now, it's so much nicer to go out. And, and you know, it's like a really nice family thing to do is go out and cut your, cut your twigs and your mistletoe and your, and your holly sprigs and all that kind of stuff and bring them home and set them up. Not do it too early either, because you tend to find that if you bring your, your holly and your mistletoe in the house too soon, because most people have central heating now, all the berries kind of shrivel up, don't they, quite early on. So I'd probably do it as late as you possibly can. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is a great time to do it, isn't it? Yeah. And all these things, of course, and they're so important to all the creatures that we have living around us as well. You know, mistletoe berries, like Phil said, you know, really important for many species in the thrush family, a lot of the, the migrating birds that come over here. Many of these things, you know, ivy and um, cotton easter, that I call it, is... Uh, <laughs> I just say, cotton easter. <laughs> these, are, these are really, I mean, fantastic things to have growing in the garden. They're one of my favourite plants. You know, they're, they're multi-providers. So not only do they give us the chance to go out and, and pick a few sprigs and whatnot to put in our homes for, uh, around Christmas time, but their ivy is berries birds love ivy berries you know you can you can see all sorts of, of bird stuff in their faces particularly things like wood pigeons and whatnot throughout the winter and, it, and it's one of those things that really does help sustain those the pop those populations of birds cotoniaster are again a lovely looking plant because you get two different types you get the deciduous ones and, and you get the evergreen ones and the and deciduous ones are, i know i've got a home and they've got this really 
distinct vibrant red of the foliage in the autumn and then you've got the beautiful red berries and they and they hold the berries for quite a long time but there are multitudes of berries in a relatively small space and i know species like robins eat them because i've watched robins stuff in their faces with these with these little berries but in the spring as the foliage starts to come back you get the tiny little flowers very delicate little flowers probably about five mil in in diameter and what I've seen a lot of are queen wasps and queen bumblebees feasting on the nectar that they provide because they're a relatively early source of nectar and pollen and then you know, using that to start up their colony. So you've got a kind of multifaceted plant. It's not only does it look great, but it's really good at supporting many different forms of life. And what Michael's just told us, a really amazing thing, in actual fact, is they do have, they've got quite dense branches. And what's happened in Michael's situation is a lot of the, the foliage from his trees fell down, all the leaves and whatnot, and gathered. They were kind of trapped in amongst these, these tight-knit branches of his um, cotton easter. And the hedgehogs... <laughs> and the hedgehogs hibernated in there. So he had a hedgehog hibernating in his... So, again, you know, what a fantastic plant to have. Rather like the kitchen aid of plants, then. Kitchen aid of plants, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, very One good. One mixer and it does everything. <laughs> um, we're going wassailing. So listeners, you must join in with us because wassailing, well, you'll have to tell them what it is. I'm not sure what it is. Okay. I tell you, uh, many years ago, well, several years ago now, I did a, I did a, a project where we kind of rebuilt this, um, a big apple press in an area of deprivation, not a million miles away from here. It was a great project because we, we involved a couple of the local schools as well. And we did look at wassailing as part of the project. So the kids did a, a bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, an essay on, on what they thought wassailing was all about. But it's a bit of a peculiar thing, isn't it? Well, it actually is all about trying to get fruit trees to fruit. So apple trees to provide fruit for cider. And so the idea is that you celebrate last year's harvest of cider, so you have a good old drink, yeah. and you go and whack the trees and do some bits and bobs, and the key thing is to do it on the right day. Now, there's three days you can do it on. It's usually on the eve of 12th night, which is January the 6th, or it's on the eve of old Christmas Eve in the Julian calendar, which is January the 5th, or the night that we're going on is old 12th night so it's the 17th of january and we will be going to the orchard with a whole bowl of cider with cake and toast in it Sounds and we're going to hang this from the branches mm. to attract birds such as robins that's right so the idea is isn't it that yeah. the robins come to the trees yeah yeah and then we're going to have a large bonfire and then we're going to the pub. So sounds like a great, yeah. sounds like a great night. Yeah, we're all yeah. going on the. There's some shooting involved as well. Some shooting and some flailing of trees and all this kind of stuff. Well, there's definitely beat the living daylights out of some trunks and things like that. Shotguns fired, buckets and pans beaten, and we're going to ward off evil spirits from the sleeping trees. Does it have any relation to the fact that apple trees, in terms of the crop they produce, have an on year and an off year, so that they an apple tree will have a good crop one year and the next year it won't and they're all like that and is well it, is that we'll find out no, but we're yeah. definitely going to dislodge harmful insects which the birds eat so that's the practical thing we whack the tree the insects come out and the birds eat them mm, great Woo! <laughs> all the ladybirds and lacewings and anything else that's taken well, refuge in the tree we will see that's on the 17th yeah. of January and you listener will be with us in my pocket. So, Rich, happy Christmas. Happy Christmas, Phil. Happy fishing. 
Jeez. And uh, I, I think now we've got, notwithstanding the limitations of their skills, we were going to have two pianos, but they're not in tune with each other. So we've got Monty and Heather. I think they're playing four-handed on one piano, so that should be interesting, eh? Yeah, go for it, guys. That'd be really nice on that day on the end of the end of the podcast.